Here at Waterstone, we focus on living and loving like Jesus. In practice, this means that we connect with one another, engage in justice, and serve sacrificially. We are so glad that you're here and invite you to join us in person. If you're able to attend weekend services, we gather on Saturdays at 5.30 and Sundays in person and online at 10. We look forward to connecting with you. Prophecies from the book of Isaiah. There was once a man named Isaiah. His name meant God to the rescue. That might seem like a funny name, but it was special because God had an important job for Isaiah. Isaiah's job was to listen to God and then tell the people of Israel what he heard. God led Isaiah on a little secret. God was going to mend the broke God was going to mend the broken world and he showed Isaiah his secret rescue plan. This is the message God gave Isaiah. People of Israel, you've been wandering away from me. You're like sheep in an open field. You've always been running away from me, and now you are lost. You can't find your way back. But I can't stop loving you. I am coming to find you, so I am sending a rescuer, someone to rescue you and carry you back to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but into the darkness a bright light will shine. A baby will be born, a royal son. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. Yes, he is coming to rescue you, but he won't be who anyone expects. He will be a king, but he won't live in a palace. He will be a poor and servant. He will fight for his people, but he won't have big armies or swords. This king will re- rescue the world and heal all the brokenness. But people will hate him and won't listen to him. He will be a lamb and suffer and die. This is the secret rescue plan made before the beginning of the world. It's the only way to get you back. The best part is he, that he won't stay dead. He will, be, he, will made a, he will be made alive again, and one day he will rule forever, ever, and everything sad will be made untrue. Even death is going to die, and he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Yes, the rescuer will come. Look for him, watch for him, wait for him. He will come. Poor Isaiah. He shared God's message over and over again, but no one listened to him. The people didn't want to hear God's promise. They didn't believe it. But one day, it would be true. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Elena. Yes, after Elena read last night, after I regained my composure, I said, we could all just go home now, (laughs) but we won't. In Rémy Rouget's novel, All I Know of Heaven, he tells the story of a college student who gets disillusioned during college. And so during a summer break, he decides to go and spend a week in a monastery in Winnipeg. And while he's at the monastery, he finds himself drawn to a life of simplicity and solitude and prayer. 
The problem is he goes back home, tells his parents, and they discourage him. At every turn, they are, are not convinced that a monastic life is not a monumental waste of life. And so it's rough as he goes and then back to school, back home again for Christmas break. And during Christmas break, Paul is this college student's name. He runs into a neighbor named Rene Lazote. And Rene is known in town as the charismatic. And so while Paul and Rene are talking, uh, Rene asked Paul, have you ever asked God for a sign? Here's the novel. Why do I need a sign, asked Paul. And besides, how would I know if something is a sign from God? Rene answered, you'll know, son. Take me. I've been troubled in my heart about what to do for others. Can't be selfish with Jesus. And it all come to me in a sign. I was in my pickup driving along one day. I seen a billboard. There it was. Keep it basic. Drive a Dodge. <laughs> oh, you mean that kind of sign, Paul said. I, I didn't know a billboard could be a sign from heaven. But that's the beauty of it, Rene replies. God's message can come from anywhere, even advertising. Me, I just left the Dodge part out and took the rest to heart. Got home, I mailed off a big check to the Save the Children Fund. Marie wasn't too happy. That money was earmarked for a new freezer. Turned out, though, we had enough to get the freezer anyways. God is good with those that give. Praise Jesus, and you have yourself a good Christmas, young man. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Going through a tough turn? Wanting to know if God is near? Wanted to know if in any way God would be willing to help? The one thing I can say for certain is that we're going to go through some tough turns in life. Both personally, wondering what God's doing when our world falls apart. Or, on a more macro scale, the world is falling apart. Is God near? Does he have anything to say? And, especially as we think about our own impending death, which is the most experientially certain thing I can say that's going to happen to you. Does God have anything to say? How's that for a cold plunge to start a sermon out? Last week, I uh, listened to a piece on National Public Radio about the medicinal value of a cold plunge in ice water. Here we are. We're doing it in a sermon. We're actually going to celebrate Christmas in September today, which is really good because we can celebrate Christmas when we're not high on nostalgia. And I think Christmas has a very different feel when we think about it outside of chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Christmas, if you accept it, is a miracle. It's a sign. Miracles make people uncomfortable because they disrupt the laws of normal and the laws of nature and they poke back at us that we actually may not be in control of anything. They also make people uncomfortable because if they're true, we have to change. So Waterstone, we're going to talk about Christmas. God's going to give us a sign today, the Emmanuel sign. Are you ready? Make of it what you will, 
Here it is. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. First, we're going to look at what this meant to the original reader in Isaiah's day. Second, we're going to talk about what it meant to our age, the church, when Matthew takes this verse and applies it directly to Jesus. And then at the very end, a couple of hard-hitting applications for whether or not we're going to see the sign to see the Son, God with us. Let's go to the year 735 B.C. Here in Isaiah 7-2 is the condition of God's people. Now the house of David, this is the people of Judah, God's remnant. The house of David was told Aram, he's a king, more on him in a moment, has allied with Ephraim. That's the northern kingdom of God's people, the ten tribes that have left God. So the hearts of Ahaz, that's the king, more on him in a minute, of Judah, and his people, here's the description, were shaken. As the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Why are God's people terrified? Well, there's a macro and a micro. The macro, in a word, Assyria. A monster empire in the ancient world. They're making their way down from Central Asia around the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea and they're going to go to Egypt and in their day have the largest landmass empire the world had ever seen. They're almost about ready to break through into the, the coast of the Mediterranean. So that's the macro picture. Assyria is swallowing up nation after nation and Israel and Judah are thinking, there, we're next. But that's not the immediate danger. Because what happens is a, a neighbor to the north of Judah called Syria, and Damascus, the capital city, and the old ten tribes of Israel, now called Samaria, Syria to the north, Samaria, decide to form an alliance. And they're going to, what shall we say, unpleasantly invite Judah to join them. In fact, Syria and Samaria join forces and they surround the city of Judah and say, come help us fight Assyria or we will kill you first. And so Judah, they are sieged, surrounded by Syria and Samaria. They are shaking like a leaf on a tree. So we find in verses 3 and 4, King Ahaz, the king of Judah, God's people, he's 20 years old. He's, in these verses, the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shir Jeshub. This is him talking to Isaiah. Isaiah, take your oldest son. Shir Jeshub means uh, a remnant will return. Go meet Ahaz, the 20-year-old king, at the end Note this description. It's an eight-word description like um, of one place. It's Google Map in ancient Hebrew. Here it is. Go meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pole on the road to the launderer's field. Such a specific description that you're thinking as you read this, this is a hyperlink. 
This is going to appear again. There's something way too specific about this. Mark this. Say to him, be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Because of the fierce anger of Razan, that's the king of Syria, and Aram, and of the son of uh, Ramaliel. In other words, what God wants to communicate through Isaiah to this 20-year-old king is, I've got this. Don't be afraid. Stay calm. Don't lose heart. I got this. Anything that's going to happen is going to happen, history, through a channel I've dug. I'm in control. These two kings who are surrounding your city right now, they are as worthless as two burnt twigs. They're just smoke, no fire. Stay calm. Trust me. So after these verses, goes on a little bit, describes that these are just two men, and then what's interesting is the language changes as we go to verse 9 from you, Ahaz, to you, plural, the people of Judah. It, these yous are plural now. He's speaking to the people of God. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Ahaz, don't worry about these two kings. They're nothing. I'm in control. The invasion is never going to happen. They will not breach the city walls. Israel, or Judah, God's people, stand Firm, trust me, the word stand is a word that you've spoken many times in your life. It's a Hebrew word, amen. Whatever you give your amen to is your highest allegiance. On the days when you're shaking with fear, terrified about what's going to happen next, whatever you give your amen to is what you hope will help you stop shaking. So Judah, where's your amen? What are you trusting? You know, I, I often have conversations with people, neighbors, friends, People that write me emails, we get together for coffee. Sometimes they'll say something like this, Larry, I admire your faith and what you do. I don't have that faith. In fact, to me, what faith often looks like is a crutch. It's just a crutch. that, And they're polite and they say it respectfully, but that really it's a crutch that weak people need to help them get through tough times. Do you know how I answer them? You're absolutely right. It's a crutch. What's your crutch? On the worst day of your life, when you're shaking in the wind, what are you holding on to? Because the real question here is, is your crutch strong enough to hold you up on the worst day of your life? That's the real question. So they have this discussion. Isaiah, Ahaz, Isaiah's little son, then God interrupts in Isaiah's mind and says, Isaiah, ask Ahaz if he'd like a sign. <laughs> I just think that's a little funny. A sign, like a sign, like give me a sign. So Ahaz, you need to understand, 20 years old, and he's not a very good king. In fact, he has decided to pursue other, another different religion. He's not faithful to Yahweh in the covenant. He's leading his people astray. His people are pursuing mediums and exorcisms and all kinds of different things. Read chapter 8. He's a really ungodly, ineffective leader. You'll hear more of that near the end of our time today. But he, 
he answers Isaiah when Isaiah says, would you like a sign from God? Ahaz says, oh no, I, I would never tempt God. Like this feigned spiritual respect that he doesn't have in his heart, but feigns it. And Isaiah says, don't be stupid. Now, here's what he really said. See if I'm close, though. See if I'm close. Verse 13 and 14. Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Here's the sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Let's stay on this for a minute. Let's understand this sign. This is the sign given to King Ahaz. First, there's some very important word choices that we need to point out. The first is the word virgin. In the Hebrew, it's the word oma. What's interesting is what's not used. It's not Issa, a wife, nor is it Batula, which is the strict word for virgin. Oma means a woman of marriageable age. So it's this very broad word that Isaiah uses as if someone might want to pick up that word little, a little later and use it like centuries later. But for now, just note, Oma, a young woman of marriageable age. And the other word choice is the the. It's a definite article in the Hebrew. It's not a woman, it's the woman. So this woman is either known to Ahaz or Isaiah. So who is this woman? Well, we go to chapter 8 and we find out in Isaiah 8, 1 to 4. The Lord said to me, Isaiah, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. So I called in Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah as reliable witnesses for me. Then I made love to the prophetess. Now this is Isaiah and his wife. And she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, name the son Maher Shalahashbaz. For before the boy knows how to say my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. Okay, so we're all wondering. We're in pretty deep now, aren't we? How are we going to climb out of this here? Well, first of all, the identity of the child that the young woman of marriageable age is going to give is Maher Shalahashbas, which means quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. Christmas, by any other name, is Maher Shalahashbas. At least in 735 BC. Now, the woman is the wife of Isaiah, who is a young woman of marriageable age. So, what is going on? Here it is Ahaz is going to get a sign that Isaiah's wife is going to have a second son. The first son is named Shir Jezeb. We read about him, which means a remnant will return, which means God will never give up on his people. The second son is going to be named Maher Shalahad. I don't know. I just love saying that. I actually taught this to our boys. And they would go around during Christmas. Instead of saying Merry Christmas, I instructed that they say Maher Shalahashbaz. 
and it was the talk of the town. <laughs> Mahershala Hashbash, quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. What's that mean? That means that before Mahershala Hashbash is old enough to say mama and papa, that the two armies around your city, Syria and Samaria, are going to be gone, plundered. And guess what happened? 732 BC, Syria swallowed up by Assyria. 722 BC, Samaria, the northern tribes of Israel, swallowed up by the Assyrian Empire. They are gone. How's that for a sign? Now, we need to stay in the decision box with Ahaz. God brings the revelation to Isaiah to give to Ahaz, the 20-year-old king, to give to the people. Ahaz is in the decision box. Here's the crux of the matter. Here's what the box looks like. Either Ahaz trusts God or Ahaz trusts political power to broker a deal with the king of Assyria for protection from Syria and Samaria. Will Ahaz seek deliverance by politics or promises? That's the quandary. That's the decision. What will he do? Will he trust popular opinion? Will he trust politics? Will he trust professionals? Or will he trust promises, signs? given by God himself. You know what's interesting about the signs, right? Did you notice that this text is held together by children? Share Jeshub, Isaiah's oldest. Bring him with you to the water tower when you have this talk with Ahaz. I want him to see a child. Mahershala Hashbash, before Mahershala Hashbash can say mama or papa, your enemies are going to be gone. And then, at the end of this section of Isaiah, there's this verse that the best voices in the world sing every year. You've probably heard this verse, Isaiah 9, verse 6, for unto us a, you should say it with me, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God is going to save the world with a child. How's that for a promise? A child. What's your choice, Ahaz? See the sign? See the son? God with us, Emmanuel. We come to roughly 770 years later after this was originally given. Matthew, one of the early followers of Jesus, is writing his story. We know it as the Gospel of Matthew. He's telling how Jesus was born. And he, of course, probably heard the story from Jesus himself. I'm guessing he knew Jesus' mother, Mary, got all the details. And when Matthew sits down to write the birth narrative of Jesus, 
guess what verse pops into his mind? Isaiah 7, 14. Unto us a sign shall be given. Emmanuel, God with us, a virgin will conceive. All of this verse comes flooding back to Matthew, and as he writes it, he chooses the strict word in the Greek, parthenos, which means virgin. Because now, looking back through the lens of Jesus, he not only knows that this woman was young and of marriageable age, but indeed was a virgin. Why? That virgin birth was the vehicle to get Jesus here. To get God with us. God. God. It's the thread throughout the entire New Testament. John said, the Word became flesh. The Word, the logic of God, the explanation of God, the reasons for God. God, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the one and only. Down to verse 18, no one has seen the Father except the Son and the Son has come to put the Father into words. God. Paul, in the first Christmas carol, in Philippians chapter 2, he said, though being in very nature God, he emptied himself of the divine glory, and he became a, a human being, and he became obedient. He took on the appearance of a man and submitted to death, even death on a cross. God became flesh. And dwelt among us. God. The God who made all these claims when he was with us. Jesus, if you're thirsty, your soul is thirsty, I'm the living bread. If you're, I'm, I'm the living water. If you're hungry for significance and purpose in life, I'm the living bread. If, if you need guidance, if you need to know God is near, I'm the good shepherd. And when it comes to that perplexing question that we don't like to think about, what happens when I die? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, even though you die, you live. And then, to back those claims, Jesus Christ, after he died to secure our forgiveness, walked out of his own grave by his own power, disarming the powers of heaven, promising us eternal life, made like him, like him we rise. He gave resurrection to us and stole the power of death away. God with us. With. With. Here's the sign. God with. With. Like in the Old Testament, like last week, Paul preached this fantastic message on Isaiah 6. It's one of those moments when we're encountering the holiness, the holy different of God. And in our current condition, if we were to see him, like we're undone. We're not fit to live in heaven right now in our condition. He's too holy and we're too not. And it's a danger. Beware the God. But yet God says, I will not give up on you, sheer just you. But I, will, I will protect you from your greatest enemies, Maher Shalahashbas, even death. And I will come. And I will give you the life and fitness you need to live in my presence. And you know how I'm going to do that? Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. 
The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. He became, to be close to us, a baby. God, a baby. What's a baby? Open, accessible, approachable, vulnerable. God, a baby, so that God can be close to us. Do you know how many babies are born in the United States in a year? Four million. Although it's going down right now. Four million. Do you know what the most popular day of the week to be born is? Tuesday. I don't know why. Do you know what the second most popular day of the week to be born is? Monday. At the most popular time, 8 in the morning. Do you know why? Because 32% of all births in America are C-section. <laughs> Do you know what the pop- most popular month to, in the West to be born is? September. You're right. Who said that? That's it. How many of you were born in September. All the medical professionals in the room are, yeah. September, way to go. You know what that actually means, right? You are actually a Christmas baby. Talk about that on the way home. (laughs) Do you know how many babies are born in the world in a given year? 140 million. And one birth in the billions of births throughout the world determines the destiny of every birth. God, with our biology, our sociology, our psychology, our ologies, God, with us. Who? Ahaz? Yes. A sign was given. Who? Judah? Yes. To God's people. Who? Well, if Judah was on the right mission, they were supposed to demonstrate and proclaim God's love to the nation. So God for Assyria? Yes. Read the book of Jonah. God for Samaria and Syria? Yes. God with us. So it comes to us. Here it comes. It's coming now to us, this sign. First question. Well, not really a question. An application. We have got to make up our mind about Christmas. It's a sign. It's a miracle. What does it mean? We've got to make up our mind. So there's two guys standing by the aqueduct. And um, they're having this discussion. And one of them, a 20-year-old named Ahaz, he believes that the way to be saved, the way to, to, to move forward is to trust not in the promises of God and not in the sign that has just been presented to him, but instead he turns away and indeed he does try to broker a deal with Assyria. 
You know how he does it? He gives away all the furnishings of the temple, the bronze, the gold. He gives away all of it to the king of Assyria and says, please, please don't hurt us. Do you think that was effective with the empire of Assyria? He loses everything. Second Chronicles chapter 28, we read this about Ahaz because of his decision. In this time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him, for he thought, since the gods of the kings of Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all of Israel. Ahaz made up his mind. He saw the sign, but he didn't see the sun, and he didn't have God with him. What about you? The sign comes to you. What about you? Here we are, some days, like we want to shake like a, a leaf in the wind. I mean, our government is broken. Our economy is struggling. Our culture deeply injured by technology and isolating us by the hour. And the question is, do you see the sign to see the sun and know God is with us? Do you know, do you believe, will you stand firm in your faith and know that God is with us? If we will, well, let me put it this way. If we will and we see the sign, then we know that what the world does not need is Christians who are blowing each other up on social media. And we will know that what this world does not need is Christians who are cozying up to politics and being discipled by news media. And we will know because we've seen the sign and we've given it our amen that what this world does not need are Christians who are mostly concerned about what's right instead of being reconciled. And we will know because we see the sign and give it our amen that what this world does not need is Christians. Christians. Does not need who are Christians. Who are more concerned Got to get this right. This is the important one. Christians I'll come back to it. They see the sign and they know that what this world does not need are Christians. I'll come back to it next week if I need to. The first thing we have to do is make up our mind about whether Christmas is true. And then secondly, if we see the sign and see the sun that God is with us, we have to get close to God as he's gotten close to us. We have to get close to God. 
Remember I said that that eight-word description is a bit of a hyperlink? It appears again in Isaiah chapter 36. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah. Note, Hezekiah is the son of Ahaz. This is 30 years later. And look where they're standing. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Same eight-word description, indeed a hyperlink. So 30 years later, Ahaz's son, King Hezekiah, is standing, and he's in the same spot, like literally and physically, literally because now Assyria is on the heels of taking down the people of Judah. Assyria is knocking on the door, and the country is scared, and Hezekiah has a decision to make. What's he going to do? We know from the rest of the story that what Hezekiah does is he goes into the temple, gets on his knees, and pleads with God about what to do. He prays. He prays. And then secondly, Hezekiah calls for Isaiah, the text says, to hear the word of the Lord. So in the same spot, And in the same conditions, Hezekiah, whose heart was turned toward God, what does he do when the people and the culture is shaking like a leaf? He prays. He listens to the word of God. He gets close to God. So as we wrap, what about you? How would you describe in your heart the want you have to get close to God? Do you want to get close to God? Would you be willing to describe that to him right now in this moment? Lord, I want to be close to you. Would you be willing to tell him why you don't feel close to him? Would you be willing to say, Lord, I need to be close to you. I need a sign. And then, would you be willing, like Hezekiah? I mean, what cost are you willing to bear to do it, to get close to God? Prayer? reading scripture, hearing God's voice. Tell him how close you want to be to him. Tell him you will bear the cost to be with him. But that bearing the cost is only like not work. It's the joy because when we understand the cost that he's born to be close to us, it's nothing. He became Emmanuel. God with us. See the sign. See the sun. God with us. So we're going to end with two songs. This first song, time of prayer, a time to tell God that you want to be close to him, a time to talk about how you're going to do that, how we can do it together with the Lord, a time to thank him for the cost that he's born to be close to us. During this time, you can stand and sing. You can sit and pray. You can walk around the room. You can get down on your face. If this is the decision box up here, come down and make decisions. If you want prayer with anybody, we'll be watching, and we'll come down and pray with you. But whatever it is, you've seen the sign of Emmanuel, God with us. How will you respond?